Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. Today, our study begins in the Garden of Gethsemane. As we examine Jesus' struggles the night before he was crucified, let's jump right into today's message, The Power of I Am. So, this week we're still talking about the passion in Jesus' Is, uh, I want to pick him up. He's, he's, he's in the upper room where they're, they're having their meal, the Last Supper, right? In fact, the, the apostle uh, Paul wrote that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, all 12 of them are there. Judas is going to leave. He is going to go to the chief priest. He's going to say, I know where Jesus is. And he's planning to betray him. So Jesus, after the supper, the Bible tells us that he goes to the Mount of Olives. Now, it's not going to be a long walk, um, one to two miles. And they go to the Mount of Olives, and they, the Bible tells us it's a place that he would often go to be with his disciples and to pray. Uh, you, you can go there today. Um, in fact, I think we've got a picture today. Here's what it kind of looks like. I don't think it's as pretty as it was in Jesus' day. It was probably lush with grass, which it's not now. Now, the olive trees that are there, they, they say that they actually may have been there when Jesus was there. They may have been be 2,000 years old, some of the trees that are there today. So Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So so Jesus is praying and, and he's in agony. Now remember, this is a place that he would go often. And he only takes three of his disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. Now, Jesus had the 12. He had the 70. But now he's down to this small group of Peter, James, and John. How many know you can't have the same relationship with everybody? And he's got his, his inner circle that he's pouring his life into the 12. But even in the 12, there's the three. And Jesus is asking them to support him in prayer. How many of you realize prayer makes a difference? Prayer makes a difference. And he is sorrowful, it says, even unto death. Now, it's not that he's going to be dying physically, that has Jesus so, so moved on the inside, but it's that he's about to take your sins and your sicknesses. As you remember, on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's been in such close fellowship with God. And now there's going to be this this separation. In fact, how many remember the Apostles' Creed says he descended into hell? He's going to die. And there's there's going to be separation from God. He's going to descend into hell. In uh, Acts chapter 2, the 24th verse, it says, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death or the torments of death. He went to the place of the condemned, 
He's doing this to pay for your sins in my sins. And so he's saying to his disciples, he says, stay with me, watch with me. And he's seeking their support. Nobody was meant to do life alone. And every one of us, we need the prayers of others. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. Very often what what we do in Christendom is we just think of prayer as prayer without realizing that there's different kinds of prayer. Uh, There's the prayer of commitment, which Jesus is praying right here. There's the prayer of faith. There's the prayer of petition. There's the prayer of thanksgiving. There's a prayer of agreement. There's a prayer of intercession. Everyone's a different kind of prayer. And when we just put all prayer together, it's kind of like putting all sports together. How many of you know that basketball, baseball, soccer, and golf are all played with a ball? But how many of you know you don't have the same rules? You cannot golf with football rules. It won't work. You can't pray the prayer of faith with the rules of the prayer of commitment. They're, they're, they're as different as chalk and cheese. And sometimes we're just putting everything together. So Jesus prays and he says, not my will, but your will be done. And the Bible says he prays the exact same prayer three times. He prays the exact same prayer three times. It's a prayer of commitment. He's saying, God, I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm laying down my desires. You know, in, in recent weeks, we've been talking from Romans 12 in verse 1, which says, Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, King James. Other translations say spiritual worship. All right? So really what Jesus is doing is he's committing his will. And, and literally he's committing his body to do something that part of him does not want to do. Is there anybody here who's ever done that? We need to present our body. And because it's a living sacrifice, the sacrifice wants to get off the altar. And when that happens, what do you need? You need to pray it again. And then how many need to pray it? How many more times? As many as needed. Maybe three times in a day. Maybe that was Jesus. For you and me, probably 20. And it's not just something you pray one day. It's something you pray again and again and again, right? Jesus, again, in one cup period of of maybe three hours, he's praying three times and committing his will to God. Then Matthew 26 and verse 40, when he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. At least you enter into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away, prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So in a prayer of commitment, you can pray that prayer a hundred times, a thousand times if you need to. Jesus prayed it three times in one evening. But the prayer of faith is different. 
Notice Jesus said, no, Lord, not my will, but your will. But with the prayer of faith, listen, you need to know the will of God. You need to know the will of God before you can pray the prayer of faith. Because you can't have faith for something you do not know is the will of God. Now, James chapter 5, any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. So this is a different prayer. You need to know the will of God. It's the prayer of faith. And faith knows the will of God. You can't believe for something you do not know. So if you are going to be praying for somebody who's sick and you say, Lord, whatever, whatever you want, if it's your will, heal him. Let me tell you what happens. If you pray, if it's your will, heal them. It's not the prayer of faith. So either you get good help from the doctor, stay sick or die. I know that wouldn't be popular. But you can't pray the prayer of faith and say, if it's your will. Because you have to know the will of God to pray the prayer of faith. And when we take all kinds of prayer and just put them all together and kind of roll them up and kind of, kind of like lotto and pull one out and think it's going to work, we're wrong. Because the prayer of faith has different functions and different rules in the prayer of commitment or the prayer of thanksgiving or the prayer of intercession. So each type of prayer is different and how we approach each type of prayer is different. Then in Luke 22, it says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. There is a wrestling match going on between Jesus' desires and the will of God between his desires and the will of God. And he comes back and he keeps praying that same prayer. Notice it says even more earnestly, right? He is literally pushed to the limits of endurance. His, his, his flesh is saying, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to go through the torment and the agony. But yet, he's saying, I know this is what God wants me to do. And he's surrendering his will to God. Now, this is the reason that when you and I are tempted, we can go to Jesus because he understands what it's like to have the desires pulling you one way and the will of God taking you in a different direction. Hebrews 2.18 says, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is also able to aid those who are tempted. When you feel like you can't go on, go to Jesus. He can give you the strength that you need. Now, in the meantime, as Jesus is praying, Jesus, Judas has gone to the high priest, the chief priest. And the Bible says in John 18 in verse 3, then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, they came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Now, notice there's a detachment of troops. And and, uh, by the way, a different gospel says it's a cohort. Now, this is so different than what I had always pictured growing up. I always pictured Judas showing up with a dozen, maybe 20 people, right? 
But it's a cohort. That's one-tenth of a legion. So that's 600 soldiers. They didn't show up with 20 people. There's 600 soldiers plus officers from the chief priests. These are the temple guards. These guys are highly trained. So I don't know what they're expecting, but they're expecting something, right? They're expecting, I don't know what Judas told them, but they're afraid of Jesus' power. It's not just a few people that show up. And uh, the soldiers, they're coming from uh, the Tower of Antonia, not far away, again, just a couple of miles. I think we've got a picture of what it looked like in the day. Herod the Great had built this. He built, it's called the Tower of Antonia because he built it in honor of his friend, Mark Anthony. Remember her, him from history? His girlfriend, Cleopatra? Anybody remember them? You know, they go, they're fighting against Octavian. They're defeated, uh, and which is a great story of what Herod did at that time. But uh, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra, they flee back to Egypt. And then when they're going to be taken captive, uh, they both commit suicide instead of being taken back to Rome and paraded in what the Romans would call a triumph. They committed suicide instead. So, so they've got 600 soldiers, plus there's, there's officers from the chief priests, the temple police. The Bible says in Matthew that they came with a great multitude with swords and clubs. All, they're, they're, they're figuring there's going to be a lots of resistance. And so Jesus said to them, whom are you seeking? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. In John 18 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am he. And they drew back and fell to the ground. They drew back and they fell. But when Jesus said, I am, and if you'll notice, the he is actually in italics. That's mean it's not there in the original Greek. It's just there to help you understand. When he said, I am, he said literally the same thing that God said to Moses back in the book of Exodus, where Moses said to God, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them I am, that I am sent you. And that's what Jesus said. Who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And the power of God hit them, and they fell over backwards. You know, sometimes when God's power is in manifestation, people fall down. You know, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that they prayed and the glory of God fell on the temple and the priests could not stand. They couldn't stand. Why? Because they were flat on their backs. The power of God hit them. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 that Peter is on the roof praying and he falls into a trance. Power of God hit him, boom. Now, now, when a person's in a trance, it doesn't mean you don't know what's going on, but it's like the spiritual becomes more real than the natural. I, I think it's also true when Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, the Bible says it knocked him off his donkey, <laughs> put him on the ground. But when Jesus said, I am, the power of God hit him, and 600 plus men fall down backward. They were looking for Jesus. They fell to the ground. And about the time they get up, Peter takes out his sword and cuts off the high priest's servants, literally the high priest's secretary, right? Cuts their ear off. And Jesus just reaches out 
and heals that ear. Jesus' power was in manifestation. In fact, he said to his disciples, right now I can pray and God will give me 12 legions of angels. When Peter's cutting his, this man's ear off, Jesus said, hey, put that sword away. I don't need your help. He says, I'm not here because I've got to be. I'm here because this is the plan. 12 legions of angels, that'd be at least 72,000. The Bible tells us back in the book of Isaiah that one angel showed up one night and killed 70, excuse me, killed 100,000 of the enemy troops. 100,000. So imagine what 72,000 angels could do. Jesus was saying, hey, the, the reason I'm here is because I want to be here. Now, something very interesting, and I want to spend the rest of our time talking about it. The Bible then tells us, Mark's gospel, 51st verse. Now, a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his body. (laughs) And the young man, the, the, the men lay hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. This is like the first streaker, you know. And, and honestly, for years, I'm like, what in the world is this? What's the naked story? What, what in the world, right in the middle of Jesus being taken by the Romans and, and by the, the, the Pharisees, guards of the temple, what's a naked boy doing in the place anyway? Well, I've got an answer for you. The linen cloth that's mentioned there is also mentioned. It's the same thing that they wrapped Jesus in when he died. It's the same cloth that Lazarus was wrapped in when he was died. Died. It's a burial cloth. It's a burial cloth. And what appears to have happened is this. When Jesus said, I am, and all of those men fell backwards, and God's power was present, somebody got raised from the dead. And they're showing that all they've got on is their burial cloth. And when they, they and, and well, you say, why did they go grab him? The last thing they wanted was for Jesus to be raising somebody else from the dead. You know, if that gets out and we're trying to crucify him and he just raises somebody from the dead, right? So when a body, when someone died, they would wash the body and prepare the body and then they wrap it in these cloths. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 says this. Now, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all died, but even so in Christ all should be made alive. Listen, verse 23. But each one in his own order. Now, this is talking about the resurrection. Now, there have been people raised from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The widow of Nain's son from the dead. But they're going to die again. In the Old Testament, Elisha raises the widow woman's son from the dead, but he died again, right? But now we're going to be talking about resurrection where nobody dies again, right? But each one in his own order. Number one, Christ. Jesus is number one. Then the first fruits. We'll talk about who they are. Afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. I believe there's some of us that are here today that when Jesus comes back, you're going to be alive. You're going to be alive, right? Now, you get a special type of resurrection. Then comes the end 
or the general resurrection. Christ, number one, the first fruits, then those who are believers when Jesus comes back, and then the end or the general resurrection. Now, all of us know about Jesus being raised from the dead. But when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was not raised from the dead alone. I guess important. Matthew chapter 27. When Jesus is, is raised from the dead, the veil of the temple is rent in two from top to bottom. Now, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, that veil is 20 feet high and over, over four inches thick. And it's rent in two from the top to the bottom. No human did it. It was torn in two from top to bottom. There was an earthquake and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who have fallen asleep were raised. Coming out of the graves after the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when Jesus arose from the dead, he didn't just arise alone. He brought some with him. Now, they are called the first fruits. Now, the reason for this was so that we would know that what Jesus, what God did in Christ in raising him from the dead was not a solo event, but that God had the power not to just raise Jesus, but to raise anybody and everybody. So when Jesus arose from the dead, many of the saints were raised with him. In fact, I believe the Bible mentions this in the New Testament, that by faith Joseph gave commandment concerning his bones, that they shouldn't leave him in Egypt. But he wanted to be transported when they came back, and he wanted to be transported over to Israel and be buried with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Why was that by faith? Because he understood by the Spirit that there was going to be a resurrection, and there was going to be some first fruits. And he didn't want to wait. He wanted to go with the first bunch. So he said, you take my bones back. Now notice, it says they were seen walking around in the street. Can you imagine your Uncle John, who died 45 years ago, showing up at the family reunion? Hello! I mean, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead was not a, a, a real quiet event. Because it was not alone. But many, the first fruits. Then afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Now, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's to be present with the Lord. Now, that's talking about your spirit. That's talking about your soul. In the beginning, when, when God created man, he breathed into him. And he became a living soul. In other words, an immortal soul. His soul and spirit were attached together. And at that point, man became immortal. Man was going to live forever. So Hebrews 9, 28 says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. But to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin having nothing to do with sin, but for salvation. He's coming back for salvation for those who are eagerly waiting for him. So 
what's going to happen? Jesus is coming back. It's interesting that every single New Testament writer, without exception, talks about Jesus coming back. If they even wrote just one chapter, they talk about Jesus coming back. So 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or who've died. Least you sorrow like others that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many of you do? Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep or who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or who have died. So those that are alive will not be changed, not receive their full salvation before those that have died. So here's how it goes. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the trump, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise. Now, if you die today, what is it? To be absent from the body is to be? It's not talking about your spirit. It's talking about your physical body. Right? Because Jesus redeemed you, spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says, glorify God with your body, which are God's. Jesus redeemed you, right? That's why in America, in fact, in Christian nations, where when a person's buried, always, always, right? Their feet are facing east and their head is facing west. You say, why? Because the Bible says when Jesus comes back, he comes in the eastern sky. So the first thing you do is you pop up. Hey, Jesus, here I am. You're laughing. It's true. Absolute truth. All right? You say, how is God going to do that? Don't have a clue. Hey, maybe he cloned you already. He's already got one of your, some of your DNA. Or how he's going to, this is what I know. That a God who can say, let there be light, and the universe leaps into existence, is not going to have any problems. Amen. All right? Not going to have any problems. The... Job, in his best hour, in his best moment, said this, even after the worms eat my flesh, yet this I know, that I in my flesh will see God. I will see him and not another. Revelation. He had some problems, but he got some stuff really right. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the angel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain with the coming of the Lord will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, or thus, we shall always be with the Lord. All right. So we're going to heaven. All right. Now, yeah, you, 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 you listen to different people talk about eschatology end times, and some say you're, you're going to go to heaven for seven years. Some say you're going to go for three and a half years. doesn't really matter to me. I've got my opinion. I know I'm right, but <laughs> here's what you need to know. You're going to heaven. First thing you do when you get there is go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, it is a party, a seven-year party. 
Now, and God, by the way, God's been planning this party for 6,000 years. And he's a good party planner. I mean, this is, this is going to be awesome. And then we come back with the Lord. Jude said the Lord comes back with his saints to execute judgment. Zechariah says, thus the Lord your God will come and all the saints with you. In Philippians, Paul wrote, who will transform our lowly body. It may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he himself is able to subdue all things unto himself. So when Jesus comes back, your body will be raised and it will be just like Jesus' body. Just like Jesus' body. You can walk through a wall, but you can eat a fish and honeycomb. It's going to be awesome. All right. Then the end or the general resurrection. Revelation chapter 20, starting with the fourth verse. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. When we come back with him, what are we going to do? We're going to live with him and we're going to reign with him for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, the unbelievers, will not live again, their bodies, until the thousand years are finished. And how long is that going to be again? How long? thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Christ first fruits, the first resurrection, those that are Jesus at his coming. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a years. There's the thousand years and then what the Bible calls the eternal kingdom. There's the thousand years and then the eternal kingdom. Now, one last thought, just just to help you as you're reading your Bible. Philippians 3, verse 11. If by any means, Paul says, I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. From the dead. That's the first resurrection. The resurrection from the dead. That's for the believers. And then there's the resurrection of the dead. See, if you read carefully in your New Testament you will see it talks about the resurrection from the dead, first resurrection, believers, and the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead is after the thousand years where they stand before the great white throne judgment before God and give an account. Now, that's those that are not believers unless they died during that tribulation period. So we've got the resurrection from the dead and the resurrection of the dead. And Paul said, man, my faith is out there. He said, I'm believing to be part of the resurrection from the dead, part of that first group. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christianity is unique because we have a savior. God himself came in the flesh and died on a cross to pay for our sins. 
And Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He's saying, all the good things that you could do or I could do could never make us right with God. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus. And if you're listening today and you say, well, I'm not sure I'm right with God. I don't know where I stand with God, or I want to be forgiven. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior and my King. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And I pray this from your heart. The Bible says that whosoever, that's you, will call on the name of the Lord. That's what we're going to do the way the Bible shows us. It says, will be saved. So if you pray this prayer from your heart, you're going to be saved. You're going to be right with God. So make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart, and I give him all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King and my Lord, and I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom, today and forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you are right with God. And we have a book that we've written. We want to get to you free of charge. The information's right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you. Download it instantly or check out our new audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives on and off the air with the help of viewers like you. When you choose to sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessings upon you just like it says in Malachi 3.10. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways you can give. One, text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. Or three, click on the giving icon in our app. We would love to connect with you. When you scan this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, check out our weekly devotional, and most importantly, stay connected. I pray you have a blessed week, and we will see you again next time.